0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Iceberg to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from by simply searching tip of the iceberg. The All Star break is a time for reflection. A lot of people look back on what we've seen over the previous 46 games and even back into the offseason when the Penguins were getting set for this campaign. And one thing I want to look back at today is the Penguins, President of Hockey Operations, and General Manager Kyle Dubas. Because I've seen a lot of negative reviews about Dubas out there. And honestly, I get it to a certain extent. The Penguins are not where you would expect them to be or not where you would hope that they would be at this point in the season. But I think we need to take a closer look at the work that Dubas himself has done in preparing the Penguins for this. And then also, what I'm going to do is compare it to what other Penguins General Managers have done in their first season with this organization, at least in the Sidney Crosby era. When Dubas came to Pittsburgh, it was a very, very difficult situation that he found himself in. The star players are aging. This is now the oldest team in North American sports. He was coming off of a season where they had just missed the playoffs for the first time in over a decade and a half. And he had very little to work with by way of assets and also salary cap space. Now, people will say he had 20 plus million dollars in salary cap space last year and he used it all on this player or on this player. But what he did with that salary cap space is he tried to reconstruct the defense because the defense wasn't good enough. He had to address the goaltending because that had been one of the primary issues of the Penguins over the previous couple of seasons. And they didn't have any goaltender signed, right? The only one that they had signed actually was Casey Desmith. They had to go out. He decided to bring in Tristan Jari. He decided to bring in Alex Nedelkovic and Magnus Helberg. So he had to address a lot. So he didn't really have that much cap space as much as it looked like early in the offseason. So he was very active. He attempted to quickly turn the tide of the Penguins' fortunes. And so far, I would say the easiest way, or at least the most fair way, to assess the job that he has done is he's had mixed results. Right? There's been positive additions, Alex Nedelkovic being chief among them. I would put Lars Eller into that bucket. I think he has been a positive addition and a good addition for the Penguins' bottom six. There's a handful of players that <clears throat> I don't know if I could put in positive or negative. Eric Carlson is among them. Um, he's not been bad, but he's obviously not been what has been expected of Eric Carlson. John Ludvig I put into that bucket. I've liked what I've seen from him, but this is now his second stint on the injured reserve this season. Nolichari I put in that similar bucket. He's good at what he does, but is what he does right now what the Penguins need? That's a different question. I think he's been great on the penalty kill, but I also think that that offensive side of the puck has been non-existent for him. So again, can't put him in a positive, can't really put him in a negative bucket either. There are a handful of players that go in the negative buckets though. Chief among them, Ryan Graves has not lived up to the to the bidding and has been signed to a $27 million contract. That's not a good thing. Matt Nieto has not been available for the majority of the season, even when he was available. Not great. Ryan Shea, I put in that bucket. Jansen Harkins, I put in that bucket. Redeems a Horna, I put in that bucket. Vinny Henestrosa, I put in that bucket, simply because those players haven't been able to stick at the NHL level for the most part. Jansen Harkins has been the one out of most of them that have stuck, but... Right now, what I see Jansen Harkins is is Zach Aston-Reese offensive production without the defensive aptitude. That's that's what I see Jansen Harkins. Not a not a horrible player, but certainly not a player that you would think would be part of a team that ends up going on to win a Stanley Cup. So a lot of people, like I mentioned at the top of this show. I've seen they're already burying the job that he's done, saying, oh, he he was the wrong guy for the job, he's sending this team further behind than they already were, and I get it. This is an instant gratification league. You wanted to see the Penguins in the top three of the Metropolitan Division. You wanted to see the Penguins with a much better record than they have had. You wanted to see the Penguins win more than two-plus games, at least more than twice this season. They've only done it twice, a three-game win streak and a five-game win streak. Everything other than that has always stopped at two. I get it. And the timetable is very pressed right now. Crosby, Malkin, Latang—they're running out of time. We're seeing Malkin battle Father Time in front of our very eyes. Crosby and Latang so far have fended him off pretty well. We—I get it. it It's—it's it, an instant gratification league. The clock is running out. The sand is is almost out of the hourglass. But look at what he's done compared to the other Penguins GMs in their first. 46 games and in their first season when it comes to bringing in positive assets versus bringing in negative assets. It's pretty similar for the most part. The one outlier is Ron Hextall. He inherited a much better team than any other general manager in the Sidney Crosby era has. I mean, excluding maybe Craig Patrick, who drafted Sidney Crosby, Ron Hextall inherited a team that Went on to win 32 of their next 45 games and win the East Division in a very, very, very strange season where there was no fans and there were some fans. You only played seven other teams and you played back-to-backs and you played mini-series throughout the season. It was a weird year, but credit where credit is due, Ron Hextall saw the team in front of him and didn't really do anything. He saw a good team and he didn't try to overadd. He didn't try to you know, move pieces around. He added Mark Friedman via waivers. Small addition, and he added Jeff Carter at the trade deadline, in which we can all agree Jeff Carter, when he was initially acquired by the Penguins, was a great decision. The problem with Ron Hextall is, following that first season, he slowly disassembled this team into horridness, right? McCann and Tanev in the first offseason, gone. Next offseason, it's Evan Rodriguez, Mike Matheson, John Marino, gone. So, again... Early results, very good for Hextall. Later on, not great. But what I really want to tie Kyle Dubas to is the starts for Jim Rutherford and Ray Shiro. Jim Rutherford had better results on the ice in his first season. Through 46 games, they were second in the Metropolitan Division. They had a 26-12-8 and eight record, so about four games better than the Penguins do this season. But then they fell apart and they finished in the second wildcard spot, right around where the Penguins are currently sitting. You look at what Rutherford added in that first season. Again, only a couple of really positive additions. Patrick Hornquist, that one was huge. That one was absolutely massive. The only other additions that really panned out that season for Jim Rutherford were at the trade deadline, and they were depth defensemen. Ian Cole and Ben Lovejoy. What have I been saying that Kyle Dubas needs to add? Depth defensemen. So those were the big adds. But let's not forget that Jim Rutherford missed on a lot in the 2014-15 season, bringing in Rob Klinkhammer and then trading him, what, two months later for David Perron. That didn't work either. Maxime Lapierre, Daniel Winnick, Christian Ehrhoff, Blake Como, Steve Downey. If you do not remember the Steve Downey year in Pittsburgh, I was going to say I implore implore you to go back and watch it, but I honestly don't want to subject any of the listeners here. To, to that. He had a lot of misses. Kyle Dubas has had some misses. But he has had a couple hits. And so too did Jim Rutherford. Now, Rutherford, in his next offseason, what did he do? He went out, swung big, brought in Phil Kessel, and it set off back-to-back Stanley Cup runs. Okay, let's move back to Ray Shiro now. 2006-2007 season. 21-17-8 record. Break, basically identical to the Penguins' record this season in Ray Shiro's first year in his first 46 games. Eighth place in the Eastern Conference, which was the last playoff spot at the time. That was before the reconfiguration. So, again, around where the Penguins were. They got better as the season went on. Finished fifth. What did he have? Well, he had a sophomore, Sidney Crosby. He had a rookie of Malkin. He had some positive additions in Gary Roberts' a mixed bag addition. Obviously, brought a lot of grit. Brought a lot of... You know, Sandpaper brought a lot of lessons for a very young team. But he also brought in Mark Eaton. That one worked out. He re-signed Mark recky That one, I would say, probably worked out. And he drafted Jordan Stahl in the top five picks of the NHL draft that year. And he came in, and Jordan Stahl was great immediately. So huge ads there for Ray Shiro. But he, too, had his misses. I mean, Yarko Rutu, I would put in the miss bag. Dominic Moore, miss. George LaRock, folk hero, but a miss on the ice. Chris Thorburn, Joel Kwiatkowski, Ronald Petrovicki, Carl Stewart. Stop me if you've actually heard any of those last couple of names after Chris Thorburn. You probably haven't. Kwiatkowski, Petrovicki, Stewart. There's a lot of misses there. So, history has shown us that successful Penguins general managers typically hit their mark after the first season. Now, being patient isn't easy considering the current circumstances. Crosby is 36. He's on pace for a near 50-goal season. I think it's now at 48 goals and over 95 points right now. How many more times are you going to have that? Maybe never again. Chris Letang, the renaissance of Chris Letang, continues to find like age wine, or fine like age like a fine wine. Jeez, if I could talk this morning. But you get the point. How long is that going to continue? Malkin has struggled this season. Does that continue to go down or is there another bump up? We don't know. But the longer time goes on, the longer you start to realize that that's probably less likely to happen. So I get it. Patience isn't easy to come by right now. And there are some major, major decisions that Kyle Dubas is going to need to make in the next month. Jake Gensel being chief among them. But it's far too early to bury the job that he's done. He's been on the job for... Maybe eight months. I think it's eight months, but just barely. He tried to change the face of this team. He made some very smart additions. He made some very good calls. I think the goaltending, he doesn't get enough credit for what he did. Trusting in Tristan Jari and bringing in Alex Nedeljkovic. I think that he should get massive credit for that. But he should also be called out for some of his bad moves. Redeems a Horna, wasn't it. Vinny Henestrosa has not been able to stay at the NHL level. Whether some of us believe that he's better than some of the guys in the lineup now or not, he hasn't been able to stick. Ryan Shea is what he is. He he didn't come in and elevate his game any more than you would have expected him to. But again, some positives, more negatives. But at the end of the day, this follows the path of previous Penguins general managers. Jim Rutherford, year two and year three, Stanley Cups. Ray Shiro. Year two and year three, a loss in the Stanley Cup finals to the Detroit Red Wings and a Stanley Cup championship for the first time in almost 20 years. I'm not saying that's what's in the future for the Penguins. All I'm saying is you got to give this guy some time to cook. You got to give him some time. Maybe Ron Hextall, with time, was worse, but I think we all agree that Kyle Dubas and Ron Hextall are very, very separate and very different people in the way that they see the game, the way that they decide to add to teams, and the way that they think the game. So, I'm not saying that Kyle Dubas has come out here and been perfect. He hasn't. He's had his misses. All I'm saying is, it is far, far too early to bury what Kyle Dubas has done with the Penguins. I'm intrigued to see what he does over the next month, and I think that should go a long way. Not only that, but what he does in the offseason this year should go a long way in determining what his early success looks like with this organization. There's still, what, 36 games to go this season? Yeah, it's not looking great right now with the Penguins outside of a playoff spot, but there's time to make additions. There's time for the Penguins on the ice, just simply the team that's on the ice, to turn things around. I think we all agree that if the power play was... Anything more than insignificant, they'd probably be in a playoff spot right now. So I'm intrigued to see what the roster that Kyle Dubas constructed is able to do. And I'm interested to see what he adds or subtracts from that roster here in the next five weeks. That's going to do it for this episode of Iceberg to Go. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from by searching Tip of the Iceberg. All-Star Weekend is here. Crosby decided not to show up to the draft. I don't know what the story is behind that, but he wasn't there for the draft. He's not going to be on the ice tonight for the skills showdown, or at least he's not going to be participating in the skills showdown. He might be on the ice. Who knows? But we'll see him tomorrow in the 3v3 tournament with Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and on the team of Tate McRae. So we'll keep an eye on that, and then we'll be back next week with some actual Penguins hockey back in action on Tuesday against the Winnipeg Jets. But until then, we'll see you guys next time.